0: You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. We're going to be back in Philippians again. If you turn maybe by now, after so long, your Bible just opens there and uh, lands on Philippians. But Philippians 4, we're going to be... I'll read from again verses 4 through 9. But now we're on kind of in that last two verses of kind of a series here. You know, it's always it's a little bit rough where you can place things, but within this, this series, a little bit on lasting peace and turbulent times, so Philippians 4, we'll be looking at verses 8 and 9, but I'll read the whole section for us. As we get there, I've got some pictures, right? Uh, this is from, um, make sure I get it, Oliver, right? Where's Oliver this morning? Oliver, thank you. Oliver gave me these pictures last week, and I had to have mom's help a little bit, but here's what's going on. This is a crane and a loading tractor. How you connect that to Philippians, it doesn't matter. I'm just glad that Oliver is drawing pictures, and some of you kids are just drawing, and you're drawing different things. And some of you adults are drawing some different things. You're not all probably doodling in the notes or whatever, but uh, I'm just thankful again. So, um, and it allows me a chance to say, parents, just glad again to have your kids with us. Kids, you are welcome in here. You're part of this service. You're not here just because you've got to sit in a, in a red, at least the chair's soft, right? There's a nice cushion, but you're here. You're part of this worship time and learning through God's Word. So I encourage you kids, follow along. And as you hear, maybe I'll use different things that spark a picture in your mind. Um, join in as well and give those to me. All right. Ancient words. Let's listen to them again from God's Word using his author, Paul, here. In Philippians 4, I'll start in verse 4 and we'll go through verse 9 once again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray once again. Father, we do agree that your spirit is what is who gives us understanding of your word. Father, I just pray you'd bless this time. Lord, some of these, these passages we're in a Philippians four, such a familiar territory. Lord, refresh us again with your word. Lord, ultimately refresh us with who your word points to, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our atoning sacrifice and our risen Savior who is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. Lord, lift our hearts, including this preacher's heart, to you once again that we would bow before you in adoration. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to begin with, with this statement and put it, put it out there for you to think about. Here's the statement. What you think about, What you think about is a major influence in how you live. What you think about is a major influence in how you live. Or in other words, what occupies your thoughts and mind, what you dwell on, has an impact on what you do. For one example, James says this, he asks, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions, and of our thoughts, our passions, our heart, passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Or last week we looked at worry And we looked at anxiousness and then the gracious call to not disconnect that but to connect it to to prayer, that anxiousness connecting us graciously to God via prayer who will guard our hearts and minds in Christ. But having said this and, and saying this statement, what you think is a major influence in how you live, there's a danger because we can get so caught up in examining our thoughts It's looking inside at our thoughts, our hearts, and minds, that we begin to leave God and the provision of Christ out of the picture. You may be familiar with the, um, I guess he was a pastor as well, the name Norman Vincent Peale. You ever heard that name before? He wrote a book, 1952. I've not read the book, but I've I've heard of it, um, called The Power of Positive Thinking. Norm Vince Peel, Power of Positive Thinking. He started the publication as well, Guideposts. You see that? I, I think they're, just, they're outside the grocery store and down here, Guideposts. Here's some of Peel's techniques for better living, and they included rules like this. These were techniques. Here's what you do. Better living, Power of Positive Thinking. Here you do. Picture yourself succeeding. Or think a positive thought to drown out a negative thought. Or repeat... Here's the phrase to repeat, If God be for us, who can be against us? Repeat it ten times. Repeat it ten times a day. Or affirm that you are in God's hands. Here's what one writer, Tim Challies, writes about this type of uh, philosophy here, about Peel. He says his foremost contribution to the world was this notion that thoughts are causative. Thoughts are co- causative, that our thoughts can change our lives, our health, our destiny. Readers were thrilled with this notion that if they believed it, they could have it, or be it, or do it. And his influence went wide. I mean, Oprah Winfrey influence, you heard of T.D. Jakes, or Joel Osteen. Um Robert Schuller, I don't know if he's, I think he's passed away now. The Crystal Cathedral borrows from this. Even presidents, I think even Trump talked about Norman Vincent Peale as a pastor, that sort of thing. So all that said, all right, kind of went off in that direction. The question here, is that what Paul has in mind in this passage, to think on these things? Is this, maybe this is just an earlier version of the power of positive thinking, Peel just kind of grabbed it from here. Kind of a, a sort of do-it-yourself, a pep talk for the mind. Like, come on. Or is there more to what Paul is talking about in this passage? And I believe there is. So let's look. Let's seek to discern a familiar thing. Maybe you've got, um, I know at home we've got a coffee mug with this verse on it. Maybe you've got it uh, put up on, a, on a, a poster or a piece of artwork, something like that. Let's look at it and, and seek again to discern What does God have? What does Paul have in mind as he writes this? So verse 8 again. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul here lists them. If you count them, there's eight things to think on, true things, honorable things. Just things, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, things worthy of praise. It's really, a, it, it is a call to virtuous thinking, that idea of like high moral standards, virtue. And, and I think this is typically how this verse is used among Christians, kind of a how we're to think. I mean, if, if, we, if we get in a discussion maybe, and you've heard this, we're talking about maybe the choice of movies we watch or music or video games, or anything of what you set your mind on it, it seems this verse is, is possibly going to come up in that to think think on what are you supposed to think on? Think on things that are lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy, kind of a, a call here to get your mind out of the gutter if you will don't don 't think on lustful things or impure things, think on virtuous, good, praiseworthy things but is this is this all and completely what Paul has in mind here. Kind of a, a glorified a template to just determine our media choices. We know it wasn't just media, but is is that what this passage is to help us with? Kind of to discern: should I watch this movie? Should I should I play this game? To do this music, that sort of thing. My answer, and you can you can argue or, or chew on this, and you be Bereans and search the scripture there. my answer is yes. And no, yes and no, I'm not abandoning that thought line of these virtuous things to think on. So let's deal with the yes, yes part. I think we need to acknowledge there's a command here, right? Paul's not just saying these might be good ideas to look at. These are things to think on. Think about these things, praiseworthy things. So think, dear brother or sister in the Lord, is this particular movie or music or art or game or event or whatever, is it worthy of this list in front of you? Is what you set before your eyes lovely and pure and so forth? And oh my, we are faced, right, with our devices and everything else of all that is impure. In a, in a group this size, it's probably just statistically um, uh, reasonable that there's men and or women dealing with clicking and looking at things that are impure, that are not commendable, that are not honorable. In a few clicks, we can be in a world of fantasy or, or any whatever sinful pleasure before your eyes seems open to us. So yes, yes, we would do well to heed the call of this verse, to think on, to meditate on that which is good and lovely and pure and excellent and worthy of praise. In Sunday school, we were watching some of video from Ken Ham, um, and we looked. he looked at 2 Corinthians 6.14. I'll read a little bit of that passage. It says there, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light." with darkness. And then Paul goes on a few verses later to say he says beloved let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So within these thoughts and this idea there's there's holiness the call to holiness to fear God to meditate on, on his ways and his ways are pure and lovely and that sort of idea. In our thought life, that's Paul's focus here in verse eight, and the call is to think on these excellent and praiseworthy things. But again, is that it? Is that kind of where it stops? Just is it is it just a, a list of how to think? Maybe you're you're perhaps like me. You've come to this verse. I was just sharing with Hannah last night. You come to this verse, and maybe you read these eight things, and and just the weight of this, and then there's other lists and these weights just pull at us. How can we do, is this a checklist? How do I, you mean every true, honorable, all these things? Or maybe we think, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll do this technique, I'll live by this list, I'll repeat it every morning. Kind of just, I, I can think this, think right, th- I can just do this And when we do it in our own strength. And and once again, once again, we need to return, I think, back to Paul's overriding theme in this book, lest we get off track. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to pull away the punch from, dear brother or sister, think on what is pure and right. But as we think in that way, there's something more. And I believe it's where Paul takes us. And, and I don't know if we'd be there if we'd not been studying the whole book, and that is Christ. For Paul, what is his game? To live is Christ. Let's do a quick review. I was originally going to go through other places in Scripture. It's just maybe more fun and and enjoyable to go right through Philippians and see a couple of those places. So you're already there. You found it. Go back to Philippians 1, verse 9. I'm going to hit seven places here to say, what is it? Is Paul, is there something more going on of this thinking pure, excellent things? Is this just a moral. Type lesson, or is there something deeper? Argue there is. Look at some of these. Look at Philippians 1 9 through 11. Paul is praying for them. Remember this? He says here, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, thinking types, things, right? So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And then it kind of fills in. What's excellent, pure, blameless? Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, whatever here is excellent, pure, blameless, it's the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory of God. Okay? Let's keep going. We won't spend long on all these. Uh, chapter 1, verse 23. Look at verse 23. Some of these we we continue kind of to come back to a little bit. 23 through 26. Paul says to them, I am hard-pressed between the two. Do I I live? Do I die? Whatever. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account... Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul's aim for them is Christ, and it's his aim for these brothers and sisters here. Verse 27 I won't read it, but it calls them, again, to have one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Go to chapter 2, verse 5. Paul sets up Christ, the supreme example for how they're to live with one another, and what does he say? Have this mind. That's a different one from the from the, the Greek word think where we're at in four eight. but uh, at least I believe it is, I didn't, uh, let's see, I don't know on that one for sure, but it, think it's a different one, but it's have this mind, so have this way of thinking among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Christ is the example. Have this mind. What mind? The mind of Christ. Verse 16 of chapter 2. We're just cruising through. Verse 16. Um, amidst the call, remember that? Do all things without grumbling or questioning. Therefore shine as lights... Uh, shine his lights in the world. This crooked, twisted generation, shine his lights in the world. And then verse 16 says, holding fast to the word of life. The word of life. Hold fast, I think in other words, to Christ. To Christ. Hold fast to him. Philippians 3, 8 through 9, probably self-explanatory, but it's here. Look at chapter 3, verse 8. Paul says here, indeed, I count. Now that, I believe, is the same one as thinking in verse 8 where we're at. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them, remember, dung, rubbish, trash, all that, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Paul is zeroed in on Christ, and you 've probably heard that in about every sermon as we 've looked through Philippians. Go on chapter three, verse nineteen. now this is fascinating as well we 're getting closer to our verse, but verse nineteen here paul he 's contrasting the enemies of Christ with a call to the citizens of heaven, and we 're we 're just coming to this thinking, okay thoughts pure, excellent, praiseworthy, commendable, honorable what we'll kind of look at what he says to these enemies, verse nineteen. Their end, so these enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with, you see it? Minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And then lastly, and, and I think this is quite helpful to us, as we sort out what's true, because there's a lot of whatever's in our verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Verse 7, the immediate context in chapter 4, right before verse 8, comes verse 7, right? talking about prayer, result of anxiousness, giving to God requests, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and verse 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And John Phillips' comments here, one commentary, here's what he says. Paul penned two words at the end of verse 7, Christ Jesus. Verse 8 stems directly out of thoughts of Jesus and leads us directly back to thoughts of Jesus. We must think of Christ. That is the ultimate secret of a positive thought life. All unworthy thoughts perish in his presence. I'll read the last sentence again. All unworthy thoughts perish in his presence. Now let me just say, without a work of the Spirit in our heart, our thoughts are, in fact, they are defiled, they are unclean. That's the point Jesus makes in Matthew 15, that what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that's what defiles a person. It's not what goes into him; it's what, it's what comes out. But the promise of the gospel is that those who are made alive in Christ have something different. They have the mind of Christ. Okay, go one place outside, just the next book to Colossians uh, chapter 3, and just let's look at this real quick. Colossians 3 then. One more place, we look at other scriptures, but Colossians 3. This may come to your mind as you think about minds on Christ. Colossians 3, I'll just read verses 1 through 3, but Paul is arguing here that merely saying no to things will not stop the indulgence of the flesh. Just say no, it's not enough. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 has this reminder Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ. Okay? That's new life. You've been reborn again. You are with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, you've got new life, then seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your, mind on, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Being raised with Christ, we can now work through this list and think rightly because we are in Christ. So head back to Philippians 4.8 then. Kind of a summary, kind of a bring this together before we get into verse 9. So verse 8, those that have the mind of Christ, those that are saved by God, by His grace, are those whom Paul can now call on to think in ways that are of truth, pure, just, honorable, commendable ways, right? They're brothers. We're no longer slaves to evil thoughts, though they may come. We're not slaves like we were before Christ Before Christ gave us new birth by the Spirit. We're no longer slaves to evil thoughts, to lust, adultery, malice, anger, etc. The call of Paul to those who who are to live for Christ, is to think on what is excellent and praiseworthy. And what's at the heart of that? What's at the heart of excellent, praiseworthy things? It's Christ. That kind of thinking is Christ, who is most excellent, most praiseworthy. So I I can't see Paul simply saying here, hey, think some good thoughts, or think positive thoughts yes, discern those things in life that are praiseworthy and pure and just and lovely and true and honorable, and yet by God's Spirit be led to think, or use the word meditate, on Christ, who's the fulfillment of all these things, and who's the the main character and hero of this book and of the Bible. Look to Him. But closely connected then, Let's go on a little bit. Closely connected is verse 9. So verse 8 is dealing with, if you would call it a title, dwelling on Christ, meditating, thinking on Christ, dwelling on Christ. Verse 9 is the doing, that which honors Christ, the living for Christ. Verse 9, first part anyway. Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. I believe the... The, the, the call, the command here to think on such things as we just looked at in verse 8, you know, think on these pure, lovely, commendable things, all those eight things, it's not disconnected from verse 9. Or, or we must not unhitch verse 9 from verse 8. Just like we said last week, you can't take, don't take anxiousness away from prayer. Do not be anxious, but pray. So think on these things, Remember what you learned and heard? Remember what you saw in me? Paul says to them. Otherwise, if we kind of unhitch it, we, we, we grow close to writing our own book, The Power of Positive Thinking here. Walter Hansen says this, one commentator, used him multiple times. He says, Paul's use of the definite relative pronoun whatever. Now, some of you have that, some of you don't. Write it at the start of verse 9. Maybe you have a what. Some of you maybe have a whatever there. I think NASB doesn't really show it super clearly, but he says Paul's use of that, that pronoun right there, whatever, indicates that his teaching and way of life exemplify those things that are considered to be excellent and praiseworthy. What well, he's saying, there's, there's a connection between the dwelling on, the thinking on, and the doing, the living. Uh, Paul's words, in a way, maybe you think of 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, where he says, be imitators of me. Paul can say that be imitators of me as I am of Christ. What Paul learned and received and saw and heard he passes on to them via his letters and his living. And Paul not only wants them to think on Christ, grow in the knowledge of him, but to do it, to live like Christ, honor him in life or death. If, if Paul, going back to close to the beginning, right? if Paul was um, not ashamed of the gospel in prison, right? He relishes that, that the gospel's going for it in prison, so should they. If Paul's greatest hope in life and death is to honor Christ so to they you get kind of the flow what you've seen what I've talked to you about in this you do it as well you learn receive it did you hear it did you see it in me did you see me exalting Christ you do likewise do the same thing it's really at its heart it's discipleship it's what Jesus did with his disciples and it's Jesus seeking those who would follow him and then disciple others and pass it on. So followers of Christ are those who think on Christ. They act like Christ. Paul's one of them. His call is for others to join them. And then this word, this word receive, you've learned and received, one writer pointed out it's got the idea of rec- not just receiving it for yourself and going, this is great news, I'm, I'm learning these things. It's receiving with the idea of passing it on. That's what the ladies in the small fall are encouraging you to do. Find somebody else. Grab someone and and walk and disciple someone or or ask someone, I I have not been a disciple. I can barely find Philippians. Would you help me and come along? And men, the same call is to you. Find someone, disciple someone. Our kids, I know we're... Seeking to do that. We disciple through preaching here, through singing, through teaching in Sunday school and also through our relationships with one another as we gather to say, learn from me. I'm, I still struggle and I stumble. I'm looking to Christ. I want to bring you along with, with me and be prayerful about who God would have you perhaps disciple or find someone to disciple you. And so Paul's call here in verse 9 is to practice these things. Not only think on excellent things, Christ as the supreme, excellent one, but then do it, live it out in the same way Paul lives, honoring Christ whether in life or in death. And then the section ends with yet another promise, and I think that's kind of where we get this lasting peace and turbulent times idea from, this promise once again of peace. As one thinks on these excellent, praiseworthy things, you put into practice all of what Paul's shown by example, there is a promise that the God of peace will be with you. And that's what's going on in verse 9. The God of peace will be with you. Paul circles back once again to this this idea of the peace of God. We saw it in verse 5. The Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Perhaps his proximity or Maybe more likely he's coming again. He's close to coming again. The Lord is near. We saw it at the end of verse uh, verse 7 last week. The peace of God which guards in Christ. And now here, verse 9, this kind of this climax statement. The God of peace will be with you. So think on these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, question. This it's a new way of salvation. If we, if we think right, we do right, this is how we get the God of peace with us, that idea. I don't, I don't think Paul, I'll say it clearly, Paul does not have in mind a justification by thought and deed. What's Paul's words, justification by faith. He's not saying if you just think the right things, right? Get that thinker right, get that doing right, and God's going to be with you. Paul's been so clear about the righteousness we have through Christ. That said, so we're putting that, okay? It's not a salvation, but it still says the God of peace will be with you. So I do think thinking on and living for Christ and being in the presence of of the God of peace is, yes, we acknowledge it's a work begun by God through His Spirit, but also it's a gracious call of God to now do these things. This is your, your, your action. It's not your saving action. It's what you do as a follower. It's what you do as a, as a son and daughter of the king. You go to his presence. How do you go to his presence? You're thinking on what's excellent. Who's most excellent? Christ. You do the things that are like, that look like you follow Christ. He says, dwell on me, meditate on me, follow me, and then experience my peace. So, In the midst of turbulence and chaos and questions and unknowns and fears and anxieties and on and on, there is a God of peace who promises to be with us. It's the promise of minds set on Christ, God is with us, Emmanuel. Not too many months away, we'll probably be singing about Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So living for Christ, it's it's no mere slogan, right, or a, or a bumper sticker. Living for Christ is, I think, here meditating, right, on His Word, on His greatness, His excellencies. Psalm one hundred four thirty four says, "May my meditation be pleasing to Him, for I rejoice in the Lord." It, they're all kind of tied together, aren't they? Rejoicing in the Lord, not being anxious, praying, thinking. Things are aiming to get our minds on the Savior once again. To think on him, and as we think on him, we live as he would, as he does. So Paul's admonitions and commands here, they, they go way beyond simply, just simply and hear it right, trying to think the right thoughts in order to cause something to happen. If I think positive thoughts, positive things will happen, that kind of idea beyond a believe-in-yourself mentality. In critiquing Norman Vincent Peale, here's what, here's what an Episcopal theologian, his name is John Crumb, here's what he, a quote I found that he said. This idea of the power of positive thinking. He said, The emphasis upon techniques, such as the repetition of confident phrases or the manipulation of certain mechanical devices, gives the impression of a thoroughly depersonalized religion. here's the critique. He says, Very little is said about the sovereign mind and purpose of God. Much is made of the things men can say to themselves and can do to bring about their ambitions and purposes. It, It... it's really the power of just, if we just left it alone, the positive thinking is really a godless thinking, right? It's all up to you. It's how you think. If I think right, right things will happen. If I think I'm good enough, I can be good enough and I'll get that and whatever. And it, it's, you see what's missing? Christ and His excellencies. It's a godless way of thinking. Here's what Tim Challies summarizes an argument and I'm just, I'm just reading it for you. It's helpful. Argument about, against just the idea of thinking positively, about Peel's teachings, and, and I think it's worth listening to here. He says, where Peel, Norman Vincent Peel, where he taught that our deepest problem is a lack of belief in ourselves and that our salvation comes with a simple shift in thinking, the Bible teaches that no man can save himself regardless of how positive his thoughts may be. His salvation must come from outside Himself. The glory of Jesus Christ is in the fact that He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death sinners who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Tragically, by His life and legacy, Peel showed that he rejected this Savior He did say, I found one place, there's many ways to God. Jesus is not the only way. Many paths to God. Not even acknowledging God as a being, kind of God's energy, these sorts of things. And chose to trust in his own strength. And we too easily can get off track. That track being the path that leads to Christ. We're prone. We can take these admonitions of Paul to think pure and excellent things, and honorable thoughts, and to do as Paul does and, and just trust in our own strength to do this. Here's another list, and if I get enough sleep, and, and I, I can do this. I, I'll get to this. I can do this. But this book, this book, the Bible as a whole, is to take us to the glory of another it's the glory of Jesus Christ, our righteous one. He's the Lamb. We're going to sing in a little bit. He's the Lamb who was slain and who's worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. The power of gospel thinking is that our lives, our relationship with God, our hope for eternity is dependent not on us, but on Christ. His glory is ultimate, and may we think towards Him and follow Him and keeping Him as our focus. Let me pray for us. Lord, it seems there's a couple ways we can go with this passage today. Lord, you know my prayers of this week, and just some of the difficulty of working through this section and what's lovely and what's pure and what's honorable. Lord, I, wanna, I don't want to discount fact here and pray for those today that need to hear, they need to be think their, their thought life is in the gutter. And it is not Christ-like. It is worldly-like. Lord, may they not initially hear, it's okay to think that way. Lord, bring about the conviction that takes our thoughts back, first to the cross, to bring our sins to Jesus once again. Say, say, Lord God, what a sinner I am. And then, Lord, lead our thoughts to the righteous, the excellent one, the pure and blameless one of Jesus Christ. And may we think on Christ. And as, Lord, as we think on you, Lord Jesus May you change our thoughts to be excellent and praiseworthy. And then, Lord, as we think that way, may we live that way. May people see in us, not just for show of people, help it to be authentic and, and, and real in our lives, that we are disciples of Christ. It's seen in how we think and what we do and say, and we desire to pass it on to others. Lord, we pray for your encouragement in this, your guiding, and we thank you that you, you have, you dwell in us by your spirit to guide us to your truths, to guide us to Christ. And we thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.